Thank you for listening to another episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast, episode 31. I'm Mario DeRamus. I'm Eric. And we are back, and we are ready to talk some sports. Eric, man, I won't say a lot, but, you know, a big trade has gone down in the NBA. Something that a lot of people saw coming. Obviously, they knew Russell Westbrook wanted out of Houston, but he was just traded to the Washington Wizards. For John Wall in a first round pick, do you who now who do you believe is the the winner of this trade? Houston. So you don't think the Wizards got? Do you believe that the Wizards got better with Westbrook? Not really, right? I mean, was in my opinion, like Westbrook and Wall are almost like similar to a certain degree, right? Um, I think. Westbrook can give you. I'm not saying taking anything away from Westbrook because he was an MVP in the league, right? But at the same time, I think what they provide to you as a team, um, I think they could be similar. Um, but to a certain extent, I've seen clips and highlights of you know pickup runs where it looked like John Wall has gotten better. I think we've talked about that, I think, the last podcast. But it's like, if John Wall can st- sustain the um, the offensive ability that he's showing in these clips, he, one can argue that if this happens, that it can, it can look better than... He, he can probably be a, a better value offensively to the Houston Rockets um, than Russell Westbrook was. The caveat to that is, is the system is gone. So with a new coach, how is Houston going to play, right? Um, but now they also have a big. They can stretch the floor, shoot the three, and DeMarcus Cousins. So I, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I believe had Westbrook been in, the, in a different offense, with James Harden, he could have been a better value. I don't think he fit well with James Harden. But I'll be curious and, and I'm interested to see how John Wall fits. That's a player swap. Now you're talking about Houston getting a first round pick on top of that. Washington is probably, they, they may make the playoffs. They may, right? You're talking about almost getting a lottery pick back. <laughs> That's insane. They got robbed. But did they? I mean, I don't. I won't say that they got robbed because it's still a, a big question mark that's floating around John Wall and his health. I mean, because you gotta, you have to also take into consideration John Wall hasn't played an NBA game since like December of two thousand and eighteen. I, I get that, and some of that is because of injury. Some of that is because for a while I think it was they they weren't in contention. No, that, let's not come back, right? Um, had they, I think he was on pace to play, had the season played the full season, he was on pace to come back. Um, but it's just very, I, and I'm not saying, but, but that first round pick is just so much, you know what I mean? Like a, a decent draft, that lottery, uh, added lottery pick to a team with DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall and James Harden and whoever else they can get eventually later can be huge and turn that team around, right? That can be something that can entice James Harden to stay. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And as soon as, like after the trade had went down, I said this is. I think this is a trade that could. It works for Houston because, okay, Westbrook wanted out. We know that he wanted out, but Harden, even though he said that he he wanted out, it was reported that he had requested a trade, and he turned down the fifty million dollars per year. But now there now it's a, it's a different conversation because not only okay Westbrook is gone, which I don't think Westbrook was like the deal breaker. Like okay, if he's here, then I want out. But I think it was uh, I think that it was something. More it was okay. I don't want to be here for a rebuild, but now you're in a position where it's not necessarily a rebuild, but it's it's just more of a retool of the organization and the pieces because now you add Demarcus Cousins, who has some question, you know, I mean, some question marks around him with his health as well. But you got John Wall, and we know that they wanted to play together, and with them both being in a situation where they can play together and potentially not, I mean, they don't have to take on majority of the low like they did in previous roles right so my thing is what is Houston at next because Austin Rivers he opted out which I mean it's Austin Rivers so they can replace him but my, my, I'm interested to see what pieces they put around those guys as well because I think the depth is going to be more important than the starting cast in Houston this year yeah and I, <clears throat> to go back to like uh there was reported yesterday though that that Westbrook chose. I mean, I'm sorry, Harton chose Wall over over Westbrook as well. So I don't know how accurate and, and true that is, but the thought is is that 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 Harton wanted Wall over Westbrook, and if that's the case, I mean, I don't want to get into specifics, but. You know, I, I think Westbrook, I mean, not Westbrook, Harden and uh, Wall, we talk about street culture, um, the black culture, um, and even to a certain degree, gang culture. They kind of have some intertwining outside of basketball. Um, that'll be very interesting to see how that happens. Um, I, Harden's brother's. I think in a gang, um, and lately, if you follow John Wall, he's portrayed a gang affiliate. Um, so it's just weird that both of those two. I mean, and you watch games; they they throw up gang signs. You watch games, and they throw up gang signs all the time. You know what I mean? Like those two guys specifically. Um, so it'll be it'll be real interesting to see. I think I think um, I don't know how they gel together. But I think Houston still. I think Houston won. Do you think Houston won? I honestly, I, th- I think both teams are just kind of even. You know what I mean? Like I think it's a stalemate. I-, I won't say that one team got better or one team got worse. I think they're pretty much in a, it's a standstill for I- both teams. I mean, I- and I-, I I really like the addition to uh, with Westbrook going to Washington. I think that's something that they needed. Like. And obviously, you know, it's a lot of people questioning now, you know, so what is, how does Bradley Bill feel? Because it was reported that he wanted it to be his team. But, you know, Russ is an alpha, is, is more of an alpha player, right? And does, that's the thing. Does Russ go in and say, okay, it's my team? Or does he go in and say, hey, Bill, it's your team. But, you know what I mean? I'm just here to try to, you know what I mean? Help the team win. 
Because the, the, I think the important factor here is for Washington, the coach is Scott Brooks, who was originally the coach in Oklahoma City with Westbrook. Yeah. And I think if anybody can get Westbrook to buy in to not necessarily be like that alpha male in the locker room, it's Scott Brooks. Because I think Scott Brooks had a, a very good relationship with Westbrook while they were in OKC together. And I think that he actually he got the most out of him. Well, I don't think Westbrook was more concerned about being even an alpha male in Houston, right? Like, um, they, I think, I think a lot of what Westbrook has been portrayed kind of bad in Houston. He's gotten a bad rap of bad offensive play as a team. You know what I mean? And they've lumped him in because of their bad success, because they haven't had success. And I don't think that was fair to him. You know what I mean? Like, I think, and that's why I think sometimes, I think he wanted a fresh start. He wanted to probably go to a market where it was maybe a bigger market or maybe it was a, I mean, D.C.'s a decent market. Um, Ain't a big market in basketball, but they can can sure get it there, right? Um to be just because it's the, I mean, it's DC, it's Washington DC. You you got press there. Um, it's not for sports, but it can be if you 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 do well. Um, but I think the caveat to it all is the swaps kind of cancel each other out in my mind. But that draft pick, first round draft pick, is like where it takes Houston over the edge. See, I will agree with you on that. I will agree with you on that. I think that that that's. But but I think that only matters if John Wall is John Wall. Is John Wall. Or, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Them both healthy and playing at the level that we know them to play at, they're both kind of similar, and I don't think the value changes much. I agree. And also, while we're on the topic of NBA, came out, Paul George was on uh, All The Smoke podcast. And he has some things to say about the Clippers and their approach to the last season in the NBA bubble during the playoffs. Basically saying that the team didn't make any adjustments. Yeah, he was like, um, he said in in words like, we weren't taught to make any adjustments. They, they, They weren't trying to make any adjustments as well. And it's like, that's bad. I mean... That's bad, but that's also obvious to the viewers who watch basketball and know they made absolutely no adjustments that whole series. So, I don't know if that's his way of kind of knocking Doc Rivers. I don't know if that's his way of knocking the whole coaching staff. Um, But I'll be curious to see how this plays out. Um, Talking in this nature with a team that hasn't done a full rebuild um, and bait practically got majority of the guys back that they had last year and bringing in a head coach that was a coach on the staff as an assistant. That'll be interesting to see how this plays out with him, whether it's he not be there or his role is de- devalued even more Um just because you, you I, I don't know if you say anything. If, if you're Paul George, do you say that? That was obvious, but do you say it though? 
I don't think you would go out and say it publicly. Right. Because it's pretty much it's a similar coaching staff. Yep. But then it's like, okay, was it a slight to the entire coaching staff or is it a slight to Doc Rivers? Yep. Because, I mean, they can go back and say, and Tyron Luke can say, oh, well, that was a Doc decision. That wasn't, you know, with me as the head coach. But at yep. the same time, it's only so much that Paul George can really say about the adjustments. Because, look, if that was a, if that was a big issue, you, you as a player, as a veteran player, an all-star player. Were part of the issue. Yeah, you have to go and you have to say something to the coaching staff like, hey, we need to make adjustments or we need to do this. But at the same time, you can't blame Paul, you can't blame your coaching for the shots that you were missing in the playoffs. Facts. Because he had a lot of rough games. A lot of rough games. And for him to uh, be uh, self-proclaimed playoff P. I, I, I told you, we're, we're no longer. Real slow in the playoffs. We're no longer allowed to say playoff P on this podcast. Is is Paul George maybe PG? PG thirteen. But we're we're definitely not like using the term playoff P. He's not it. Well I'm just saying it's self proclaimed. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. I never heard anybody before this season say anything about that nickname. But but do you call guy or I'm not calling another guy a self proclaimed name, right? Like you're not going to tell me to call you Rio. No, you just have to call <laughs> Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so... I don't know, man. Like It's only it's only one person that I've ever called a self-proclaimed nickname. Or I've called them by their self-proclaimed nickname. Who? That's The Rock. The People's Champ. Girl, he, he was a self-proclaimed People's Champ. No, I, nobody just came out and was like, oh, that's The People's Champ right there. Facts. He called himself that. That's but facts. I, but I, but I, I ran with it. Facts. Because I could trust in him because he was a champion. Now, Paul George, on the other hand, has yet to, to smell the finals. That just made me think about, like, the old WWF. And that, was some, that was some good days. Some good times, man. Good yeah, times. That, I mean, that's when entertainment was entertainment. You know facts. what I mean? That was, uh, every, everything is kind of washed, you know, it's kind of washed down. But, uh,. But no, with with the Clippers, man, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they bounce back this season. You know what I mean? Because they did lose Montrezl Harrell, but they got Serge Ibaka. The rest of the team is pretty much the same as far as the guys who were, like, big factors on the team. But is I want to see kind of how Kawhi Leonard comes back to this season because, remember, it was them and the Lakers who were – projected to be in the Western Conference Finals and it was one of these two teams are going to be the champions, right? Yep. And it just ended up, it so happened to be the Lakers after the Clippers got uh, closed out early by the Denver Nuggets who right now looks like they're projected to be like a fifth seed this year in the playoffs after just coming off one of the best playoff runs we've seen in the past probably decade. Yeah, but I think they've Denver's lost a few guys. Um, I don't think they've added a few guys. There's still time left, right? Um, there's still some key free agents that are out there, which is shocking um, because preseason starts here shortly, right? Um, I think with this month, later this month, right? Yeah, the season starts this month. Right. In two weeks. Yeah, so uh, preseason will be starting here shortly. Um, and it's just amazed that, you know, you got guys like Cal Corver that's out there who – 
I think will be a great piece for a team because um, he's he's a three and D guy. He can shoot the ball at a high clip, and he he's definitely um, a, a veteran guy who brings some some smarts and uh, playoff experience to some teams. Um, but yeah, man, I I think uh, I I I wanted to ask you: Is Serge an upgrade from Montrezl Harrell? I think he's an upgrade uh, for two reasons. I believe that because it, I mean he has the ability to shoot now, which is important. So he can stretch the floor. He can he can shoot from outside. Two, I think that him and Kawhi Leonard have a very good relationship. Which and I, it was it was rumors floating around that Montrezl Harrell necessarily didn't have the best relationship with other guys in the locker room, such as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which could have been a reason for him to leave. Yep. You know, why stay here when I don't necessarily care for these guys and I can go play with LeBron and a bunch of other players on Clutch Sports, which is his agency, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's no secret. So, yeah. I think that, like, some of those things were contributing factors, and I think that Brown probably sold him on the fact that, hey, we just won the NBA championship, and we're looking to repeat. I'm coming back. Hey, D's coming back, which both of them just signed major contracts this week. Bron came back two years, I believe it was like $86 million max contract, and then Anthony Davis, as you projected, was going to take a, a, the max deal and got five years, $190 million. Which was smart. I mean, it still puts him at, I think, 32, which is fucking crazy. To He'll be at close to 32. He has a year of, of opt-out after four, and this dude can still go back and get the super max money at that point. That is a that is insane. That Anthony Davis is we have like he still has that much left in his career to to play bar, barring injury. That is that's insane. That's that's insane, dude. Like like if this dude stays healthy, he can still play for another five ten years. Yeah, the only thing that I, I am concerned about with the Lakers is the fact that they did lose. Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee both, which I think I think that's important to an extent. But because I'm not look, I, I like Mark Gasol, but I don't know if Mark Gasol is gonna be the same player that JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard at this point in their career are both hustle player, do whatever I need to do players. I don't know if Mark Gasol is gonna be that for them. No, nah, but you don't need that. You know why? My trust hit Harold solves all that problem. He solves it. Because at the end of the day, you're going to play. I think we talked about this. Instead of instead of playing Montrez at at the four, now you're playing Montrez at the five. Go play the five. AD going to play the four. Take Montrez out. Move him to the four. Gasol go to the five. It's that easy and that simple. Um, going back to Ibaka real quick. Um, I think Ibaka is a... I don't think the Ibaka is that much of an upgrade, if if any at all. And here's why: I think he's an upgrade to allow them to stretch the floor because he shoots the ball from the three at a decent high level for his size and um, and whatnot. Everything else, I think Montrezl Harrell is a is a plus. That um, hustle, rebounding, blocking, defensive, uh, defensive. And the reason why I say this, Surge is older, Surge is, Surge is slower. We're not talking about the Surge, the, the old Surge. 
we're talking about Montrezl Harrell Serge now. So Montrezl Harrell can be a better defender than Serge can. He can be a better rebounder than Serge can. He's going to bring that intensity that puts fear into other people's heart that are scared. See, I can agree with you to a certain extent, right? So, better defender. We're talking perimeter. Yeah, I give you that. I, All around, I, I think. think. Montrez, I think say Mont- that. I think Montrez Harrell is a better perimeter defender at this point right now. I think that Serge Ibaka in the post is still, still a, a big-time defensive playmaker. Like, they didn't call him Serge Ibaka for nothing. Like, you, he earned that, he earned that nickname. Like, and look, if, if this should, look, a lot of people thought that Toronto was going to fall off last season after losing Kawhi Leonard. They didn't. They didn't fall off. They were still pretty much a contender in the East. But the reason why they were a contender in the East was because of their other two superstars. And, um, um, Cal Lowry. Fuck. I mean, you can even say, um, Fred Van Fleet, Cal Lowry, and um, Siakam. Siakam. That 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 carried them. I think Ibaka didn't even play as much. He he didn't play as much as he probably played in that 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 uh in the finals run. Um, but they just play youth and they 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 they, they bought into that Nick Nurse system and and they're playing well and that's why they were playing well was because of. How how they play, how they hustle, and they're three guys that they count on on a night in and night out basis. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that Sergio Baca is going. I think you are going to be highly impressed with the Sergio Baca that you see this season. I think that him being back with Ka- Kawhi Leonard is huge for the Clippers, just because I think the. the I mean, they don't need Sergio Baca to go out on the perimeter and defend. They do. They do. Yeah, they will. Because now you're gonna, who's gonna step out and guard Anthony Davis? I think that they can do they can do mixtures. It, it all depends on how the, how the lineup is as well. Like, all right, so I think if it comes to a situation like that, okay, yeah, he'll have to go out and stretch. You know what I mean? But I think he'll be fine to do what I'm saying. But they won't need him to go out and guard like smaller smaller guys. Like yeah, Montrezl Harrell, he can go out and guard like the three to the five, right? The the Lakers and probably anybody else is gonna make Serge. Put his surge in pick and roll uh, positions where he has to guard a yard and he can't guard a guard. Yeah, but I think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both defensively are both good enough in those to make situations. That up. Yeah, like they can make up for that. It's just I, it'll be interesting to see with um, with um, Ty Lue's defensive principles and his system and what they do. But yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, but just to shift gears, uh, going away from the NBA, college football, man. Oh man, I'm sad. Don't be sad. I mean, look, college football—the season is almost over, right? Getting closer to the college football playoffs, which I mean, it's the topic that we got to talk about. But nothing changed as far as like the rankings or anything from last week to this week. But there's still some questions revolving around Ohio State because obviously a lot of the games got canceled, or a few of the games recently got canceled the past two weeks. Uh, they didn't play due to the COVID-19. But they have to play at least six games in order to get into the college football playoffs. Now, it was just announced that the game for uh, for Saturday against Michigan State is on. They're going to they're gonna go to East, East Lansing and play Michigan State. 
which I mean should be a winnable game for them. But Ryan Day will not be there. But this is the same. We have to talk about it. Michigan State just upset Northwestern last week. Not saying that Northwestern is Ohio State because I think it's a different caliber of football. But anything is possible, and especially you talk about them going without their head coach to uh, play a huge game, which this week and next week is that it for them. By the way, Michigan will not be playing this week due to COVID, which could be huge because if Michigan can't play next week against Ohio State, Ohio State might have to bring in a filler game. Yeah, and that's why a couple reasons why I'm sad is because um, just felt like we've dealt with COVID too much uh, when it comes to uh, college football. Um, it's and it's shocking. I, I thought that you know we've talked about it a couple times. Like I thought these kids would take it more serious. I thought these universities would take it more serious. You don't have students on campus for most of these schools. You should be making sure you're doing what you have to do. And it doesn't seem like that's done. Um, I'm also sad because um, it looks like my theory and my thinking, Michigan will not play us next week. And Michigan will not play, not because they can't play. They'll find some COVID reason to, to, to play, but because, not to say that they don't want to lose, but to say that if, if they have any chance of trying to hopefully ruin Ohio State's uh, playoffs, I think they'll take advantage of it and do it if they could. I wouldn't even just say that. I think, honestly, and this is just me being understanding, you, you know how long I've been a Michigan fan, but this might honestly be an opportunity for Harbaugh to save his job. It, it, it could. And, and that was another thing I was going to say was I think that that would be another thing for him to save his job. I don't know if they would want to switch and pivot to another coach during COVID to bring in another guy to recruit. Um, had he had had they play, do if they play next week and they lose, I think they fire him. But if they don't, he may save his job because they may say, we don't want to deal with recruiting and switching coaches. We're going to just roll with the punches and then after this season, you ain't doing well, you gone. And you next season, I mean, but they might even fire him during the season next year. Which is a possibility. Yeah. But I think Harbaugh, if if he doesn't decide to, because I, I don't know if he'll don't necessarily have a chance to come out and fire him. I think they gave him an opportunity to, to, walk to, away. to walk away and quote unquote resign. Yeah, and then there's talks about like, oh, he's having all these NFL teams that, that are looking out. For, I doubt that there's any NFL teams looking at him. I won't doubt it. I think, it, look, the Jets, they, they're 0-11, and Adam Gaze still has a job. Man, and he did a press conference yesterday, and he looked high again. This dude looked like, I don't want to switch to the NFL just yet, but this dude looked high on a press conference. Like, what? Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, do you, I won't say no NFL team isn't looking at him. Because the Jets just might be. Yeah, the Jets might be. Um, Which I don't think. I don't think Harbaugh's a, a bad. Like I said last week, I don't think he's a bad coach. I think a lot of it, honestly, just might be him tired of the whole college. Because co- coaching in college is way different than coaching in the NFL. Yep, it is. In NFL, you have to deal with egos, not necessarily anything else. You know, it's for the most part. But college, you have to deal with recruiting. You know what I mean? Then, egos. Yeah. And he goes on top of recruiting. School. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more that comes with it, and I just don't. 
And from going from the NFL level to coaching the college, I think for him it's just he honestly could feel like he's more of in a position where he's babysitting more than being a football coach. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Um, another interesting topic that I saw um, related to college football is there's rumors that Urban Meyer is fielding for um, a staff to possibly fill the vacancy of the Texas job this offseason. There's rumors that Tom Herman might be fired after this season and that Urban may go down there. That kind of hurts me a little bit, but I'll take it before he goes to Michigan. And I think he will never go to Michigan. I think he's smart enough not to. Urban Meyer um, will never coach Michigan. I, I, I don't think he will as well. But if he had any thought of... It'll be. I would be a little. I'll be sad if he did. If interesting thing though is, I think if I'm not mistaken, Gene Smith, the Ohio, the Ohio State athletic director, will be retiring after this season. I believe. So it'll be interesting to see if Urban takes that job because, if I'm not mistaken, he is some. He he's in some small role that he reports to Gene Smith at Ohio State. Yeah, you know that that would be interesting. That way, it keeps him tied into the school, and he can help a recruit in as well. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, which obviously I don't think Ryan Day needs it. But uh. nah, I mean, right right now, Ryan Day is starting to look him. He's starting to put himself in position to look like the um, quarterback guru as well in the in the college football. So I, I don't think he needs him. But I, I will say this: I think that when you talk about the whole. Texas situation that would make sense because he would go to a Big Twelve where the Big Twelve is kind of open, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Oklahoma, Texas, Texas, uh, or uh, not Oklahoma State, and then that's pretty much it. Iowa State is, but I don't see them being like a college football playoff team. But oh, Iowa's up in the top. Iowa State, I think Iowa yeah. ranked six now, six or seven. Iowa State is ranked like ninth. Okay, yeah. I knew it was in the top ten for sure. Yeah, they, but they got they got two losses, so I don't know if they'll necessarily do anything big enough to make it elite that how to be in the top four. Right. But I mean, but when you talk about like stable programs in the Big Twelve, I mean, it's Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Then I mean, that's they they are the top tier teams. Right. So I mean, it it would make sense, but I don't necessarily know if I see Urban Meyer coming out of retirement. Of coaching the coach Texas, especially with the the quarterback that they have leave. Like if he was there for another season, maybe, but like uh, he'll be leaving. It was the, what's his name uh, Ellinger? Yeah, yeah. He, he'll be leaving this year for the NFL mm-hmm. draft. So I don't know if I would necessarily see uh, Man, Urban coming out. Urban recruits his ass off, dog. He does, but re- I mean, recruiting starts early. It oh yeah. I mean, he's behind the eight ball, but. It'll be interesting to see. I hope he stays at Ohio State um, and takes like the, the the athletic director role, and I think that'll be good. Even more interesting news from college football: flex game tomorrow. So BYU is now playing Coastal Carolina. Liberty is out due to COVID, so mm. it was supposed to originally be Liberty versus Coastal Carolina, two of the smaller schools, but are ranked in the top twenty, facing off. 
But BYU is now taking a place of liberty to face Coastal Carolina. BYU ranking in at number 13 this week. Coastal Carolina at 18. The one knock that people have had on BYU this year is they haven't played anybody. Now they're playing a, a team that's ranked in the top 25. If they go out and they put up, and let's say they blow them out, do you now have to consider BYU as being one of those top four teams if Ohio State does not make it due to the amount of games or due to the lack of uh, games played? Um, you you may. Um, I mean, you still get they still got to get over the case of you know maybe a Florida or a, a UC. Um, them jumping over those teams, right? I mean, depending on how Iowa State finishes out, I think they're a, what a one. You said one or two lost team, Iowa State. Two lost team. Two lost team, and yeah. I think they they've played some. They've played a decent schedule. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they jump all the way over some of those teams, especially like Florida or uh, UC. Well, this is interesting, though, because every team that's ranked ahead of them, obviously they're at number 13. Every team that's ranked ahead of them that are in the top, like, 5 through 12, mm-hmm. the only undefeated team is UC. Every other team has a loss. So it's, do you put a, do you not put an a undefeated BYU team in there who just came off of a win against, let's say that they beat Coastal Carolina, do they not deserve to be at least be in that conversation over a, a one-loss Florida or a two-loss Georgia team or a one-loss Texas A&M team? Yeah, I think I think they give the nod over to uh, um, a Florida or maybe a Texas A&M. I mean, let's be honest, man. It, when when you talk about the SEC, you talk about maybe the Big Ten or the ACC getting the two teams in. They don't. They will look at a second team from those conferences before I think they'll pull in a team like BYU or hell UC. Which is which is crazy to me because I feel like UC what they've done this year. Like, look, I granted granted they they play in the AAC, and you have to take that into consideration. But I think they've been dominant enough against those teams to where you can say, okay, they at least have to be in that conversation because still, I'm I mean they're ranked seventh still, but are they? So, so they're in the conversation. Yeah, but they they also have more wins against. Uh, teams with winning records than Texas A&M because Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken, only have two wins out of their six over teams with a with a winning record. So, so let me ask you this question: Like, do you honestly think UC can hang with any of those teams if they make it? The, if they if 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 you say UC at four, Ohio State's let's say Ohio State's in or hell out. You take. The, the top three teams, Willards, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and you one of those three teams get uh, three of those teams get in, right? And UC is the fourth. Do you think UC has a chance of any get any of those teams? I think UC Notre Dame would be interesting, depending on what Clemson team shows. Because there there have been times this year where Clemson has looked beatable, right? But that's also the, the, the nature of the beast, right? You don't know what they can do until you put them on the field against them. Because, I mean, what, the, what do they say? You, you, you don't know what you have until you put it out there, right? 
So you don't necessarily know if they'll be able to compete. I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to compete with Alabama because that's just a different level of football. But I, I think that I think I think for I think for viewers' sake, put it, like I won't put them in over uh, Ohio State. Like if it came down to it, they're like, well, Ohio State only played five games, but UC played nine games and they went undefeated. I'm look, I, I get it. It's you know, it's a certain level, a certain amount of games you got to play, and I would love for UC to be in the college football playoffs, right? Because I think those kids, they like they worked hard enough and they deserve it. Luke Fickle. Did a great job of building up a program, but do I really want to see them play Alabama? Do you want to see them play Clemson? Like everything, everything sounds good until it happens. Like remember <laughs> back when they went to the Sugar Bowl, right? And they played against Florida, and everybody was hyped, and I was hyped. Marty Gilliard, like the entire team. Granted, Brian Kelly had left the team early to take the uh, Notre Dame job, but it was. It was slow for them. It was, they put up about a fifty burger on them. Like, do you really want to? Do you want to relive that? That that's what I'm trying to get at with you. No, and I'm like, like that's why I just said, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. That's why I just said if it came down like if if it came down to them versus Ohio State to play Alabama, I'm taking Ohio State because I think that's going to be a much closer game. But I'm saying swap out Alabama and put Clemson in that spot. I think I don't want to see UC play Clemson. I say swap out Clemson and put Ohio State at that spot. I don't want to see them play Ohio State. I don't think they can hang. Swap out Notre swap out Ohio State and put Clemson in. I mean um Notre Dame in that spot. I don't think they can hang with Notre Dame. See, I think that they could beat a team like not not say beat them, but I think that that would be like a okay, this is a compelling game. I I think that's a game that they have a chance of winning. Clemson, I'm on the fence because Clemson is a young, it's a younger team. They're good, but they're younger. You see, is a more experienced team right now, and they're very, 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 very well coached. And I think that that's like okay, I would be intrigued by the game because it could either be a close game or it could be a blowout. If they play Alabama, I just don't think it's close. If they play Ohio State, I just don't think it's close. And and that's what I'm getting at. If you in order for me to say that I, I, I vote for UC Hale or BYU, can you be competitive in that game? And if you cannot be competitive in that game, I'm sorry, you cannot be in this game. Look, I'm going to tell you what's, what's honestly probably going to happen. More than likely, BYU or UC, no, if they, they'll, they'll run the table right. And play each other. And play each other. Yeah. And That's what's gonna happen. It'll be a New Year's Day game. Yeah, I, I agree. Which I mean, it, honestly, that could work out for them because now you can say going into next season, okay, we know that this, they're the they're the bigger talent or they're, they're the more talented team, right? Mm-hmm. And if both teams come back and they have a they have a very good season next year, run the table. Then okay, now now we're in the conversation of okay, they're a top. Six team again in the college football playoff rankings. Now we have to consider them because last year they they looked amazing against this team. You know what I mean? Like UC looked amazing against BYU, who everybody thought should have been in the college football playoffs, or vice versa. BYU looked amazing against UC, who everybody thought should be a play, college football playoff team. So I, I think it's levels to you have to be able to step. Like I don't even think Texas A and M is they. I don't think they look that good. Just, just me being honest. 
They don't, but because of where they, because of the conference they play in, they they it, it's they they get that edge. They get that edge a little more over a, a team that that is not in the SEC. Yeah, and also think I think uh, the, the, I mean the coaching names also matter. Like not saying Luke yeah. Fickle's not a big name, but he's not Jimbo Fisher. Nah, he's not. You know yeah, what I mean? And to be honest, and to be honest, Luke Fickle isn't a big name yet. Like he, he's a he, he's he's working his way to that. Uh, that status, but he's not there yet. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think he's making a hell of a name for himself, and, and more people across the country are, are starting to know who Luke, Luke Fickle is. Um, but for a while, I mean, nobody knew who he was. You know what I mean? Like, some people didn't even know he was the de- defensive coordinator at Ohio State for a while. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting, but I also think that a lot of this matters as far as. What happens with Luke Fickle? Because I think that a lot of teams are going to be throwing money at him, and it's only so much money you can turn down, right? Before before people are like, ah, you know what I mean? Right. I, well, I think this is this is, and we talked about it. I think last podcast as well. Um, the 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 endorsement I think is going to be huge. Who who who's their suitor for the endorsement? If Jordan Brand can come in and 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 be able to provide them what they need. Um, I I think that that might take them over the edge a little bit, um, and then some money and things like that may have to happen, and you know um, spruce up some of them facilities. But you can't you you can't expect too many um organ no, too many universities to spit out a lot of money coming this uh, next year at least uh, because they've they've taken a big hit as well. I will say this. I mean, we talked about one former Ohio State coach possibly going to Texas. And I'm just going to ask you, if, let's say, Urban Meyer, you know, doesn't take the job and it's just a rumor. But what if Herman is out, who obviously, Herman used to be a coach at Ohio State too. Yep. But let's say he's out. Do you think Texas goes with Luke Fickle, throws a lot of money at him? And most importantly, you talked about endorsements. Jordan Brand is already with uh, Texas. Oh yeah, I yeah. Texas is a. I I don't. I still I'm confused, but Texas is a sought out job. It's probably a top five job in the country. I think you have. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was Texas, Alabama, Ohio State. It used to be USC. USC, I think it still is, especially when you talk about coaches and pay. Um, and I want to say it might be either LSU or Florida is up there, and because their facilities and what they bring in, man, that they might. If 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 I'm a UC fan. I am a little scared right now for next season. Yeah, no, but I mean that's just something that you know people have to you know think about realistically. While he didn't leave for Michigan State, I think there were reasons he didn't leave for Michigan State. One, I just don't think they offered him enough money. Two, I don't necessarily think that he felt that was the right position for him. I, I don't know if he it was he, coming to play cleanup. They had a big uh, scandal with their trainer and all that crap. Why do that when you? When you have something going good over here in Cincinnati, like 
That, that's my opinion. Yeah, and also I have to take into consideration that Texas, they have their, they were the first university to have their own network. Mm-hmm. People have to remember that. Yep. The Texas network came before the SEC network, came before Pac-12 network, anything. Another thing to, no- to note before we switch from college football, there's a board of, commi- uh, of I guess, previous athletic directors that are... These folks are highly um, used, and I, I can't remember the, the the actual term of this group is called. Um, but they help like with a lot of the NCAA changes, um, some of the bylaws uh, for the NCAA, and these group of ex athletic directors are now um, breaking away from the NCAA. And they kind of represent the Power Five uh, conferences and and college sports. So it would be interesting to see how college sports starts to play out over the next few years with them breaking away from the the, uh, NCAA and maybe forming something of the Power Five or their own to kind of have their own league rules that is kind of broken off and separate from the NCAA. It'll be interesting and very to see how that plays out. Um, one I know because of schools like BYU and UC um, going through some of these issues with not being able to play in the um, in, in the playoffs. I think some of these things like that is pushing these universities. To form into a different um, sector, if you will, to 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 so that they can be separated and and you can crown try to crown a, a champion of a school that's a non-power school like BYU or UC. Interesting. So that's yeah. something, definitely something to look out for. Yep, for sure. All right, and as we transition, NFL going into week thirteen, week twelve was. It was interesting to say the least, but um, man, like what were your what were your biggest takeaways from Week Twelve? Obviously, uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot honestly that we could talk about. Well, I guess I'll start with the obvious and, and and go from there. The obvious is yet again. I think for like the fifth week in a row, I'm going to say this. Yeah, so the for the fifth for the fifth week, I think in a row. Um, Patrick Mahomes is just <laughs> he's on a whole nother level, man. Like this dude, he he just he goes out and amazes me every time. Every week, um, something amazing happens. Um, Cheetah just uh, <laughs> he he shows that he he has to be in that conversation. I, I know a lot of. A lot of people, he's not the big names when you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, when you talk about Julio, you talk about um, Odell Beckham's of the world, but um, this this dude needs to be considered up there. Um, He makes plays after plays after plays. Yes, he does have Patrick Mahomes, but goddammit, Patrick Mahomes has him as well. And if he didn't have him... um, We'll be, it'll be interesting to see because this this dude just makes plays. 
Um, his feet just—he's a guy who catches, so that—that—that's that goes without saying. But his speed is just next level. Um, it's probably—he's probably the fastest guy in the NFL, and um, and and it shows when he when he gets out on that field. Um, so that that was one of my takeaways um, from last week. Um, another one is uh, your boy Carson Wentz. He's flat out awful. Carson Wentz is bad. Like, this dude is a walking turnover. And then, I, I, I think that organization, they, 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 the coaching, I, I don't know what Doug is doing. Like, you give Jalen Hurts reps throughout the season, the week with the number ones, and then you just go in and, and put him in in running situations. Like, Idiot, by now, everybody knows that you're only putting him in the game and you're running the ball. Whether he's handing the ball off or he's running it, he's that's the only point he's getting into the game. Uh, another thing, just quick, is uh, the Saints. Man, they need Drew Brees bad. They better play uh, Jameis Winston very, very soon. You've thrown the ball probably a total of 15 times in two games. That is very, very bad. We'll figure out what the hell Jameis needs to do to get on the field, and you need to get him on the field. Because let's be honest, Drew Brees is not going to come back and be be that guy right away. Um, those were like my three big takeaways from this week. Yeah, I just wanted your thoughts. You know what I mean? Just, just, just to dive in. Just to dive into the NFL. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were as far as like, you know, what you observed, you know, in week 12. Because it was... It was a lot going on. I watched a whole lot of football last week, and I hope a lot of people did during Thanksgiving weekend. But, um, man, I, I think, for one, I'm, I'm on board with you. I think the Saints have to they have to just go ahead and put Jameis on the field because the Taysom Hill show, it, it has to come to an end. Like, if they didn't play the Broncos last week who were quarterbackless, like, let's talk about that. Like, the, the Broncos had a, a practice team wide receiver play quarterback just because they didn't have anybody else to go to. I'm surprised he looked that bad, though, when he played quarterback in college. I don't think he's old, so he looked fairly young. Like, like, dude, you probably played quarterback, like, at least five years ago. Yeah, but then you also have to think, now he has to come in. This is the first, this, this is, if I tell you week one, like, okay, or you get one week to prepare, not even a whole week, not like even a whole week. days, four like days, three days to prepare to be an NFL quarterback when you play wide receiver, and you're not even on a, the 53 man roster. You're on a practice team, right? Like that had to be a hell of a week for him. Like, okay, I went from not being on the 53 man roster to okay, now I'm the quarterback. Like, yeah, let that sink in. Like, yeah. that's not. It's not an easy that, that, thing to do. No, it's not. I mean, and the game is fast, and it, it's bad. You know what I mean? It was the yeah. Broncos put themselves in bad position for that game, man. Well, I, th- I think uh, you know one thing that came out is uh, the, the coaching staff was basically saying that they were disappointed in the quarterbacks for putting them in that situation. Facts, a hundred percent. Like, and there's a lot of people going around like, well, what? Well, the the NFL's treating them. They treated Denver bad, but then this Pittsburgh and Ravens, they didn't treat them that bad. They postponed the game and tried to help get players. It's like, yes, but they didn't. We didn't clearly have evidence that 
either Pittsburgh or the Ravens did anything as stupid as Denver did. Yeah, I don't think it's anything that you can really, I mean, take take away, you know what I mean? <laughs> or you can give to Denver, like, in their defense. Like, you can't come to their rescue. Nope. You know, but I will say this. I think that, you know, with Taysom Hill, man, it's, it's just bad. Like, just even if you evaluate his numbers over the, uh, the last two games that he started, it was at Atlanta in the end. I'm sorry, not Atlanta, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, Atlanta, and then also the Broncos. And in his last two games with the Broncos, he had, went. He had uh, he was 27, a 39 passing, 311 yards, and one interception. No passing touchdowns, and it's not like he was out there throwing like 40 yard bombs, like he's thinking and dunking. And relies a whole lot on uh, Alvin Kamara. Now I, I get it. Alvin Kamara is, you know, I mean, he's a premier player on the team, probably the best player on the team outside of Michael Thomas. But hell, you got Michael Thomas back and can't even look good. Like, I, th- I think it, they have to just go ahead and look. I know uh, Sean Payton. You know, he wants to be this offensive genius. And he said he wants to see what he has in Taysom Hill because they they don't just have him to be this athletic player who goes out and plays at different positions and comes in at odd times of the game. Yes, you do. That's the only reason that you have him. That's why you paid him all that money because you know what? He's not a he's not going to be our quarterback of the future, but he's going to be a guy who can go out and, and serve different purposes on the field. He'll play special teams. He'll go out and he'll play receiver if he has to. He'll he'll play on a kickoff team, so. But that 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 was smoke and mirrors, and that's why I say I'm glad you brought that up. That is the reason why they paid him. But they 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 also paid him thinking, all right, well we have this guy who can do everything else, and we could possibly play him at quarterback. But the smoke and mirrors part is y'all paid him all this money because of all of what you just said, and you overpaid him. So now you're trying to say, hey, let's go go prove your value right now so that we can know what the hell we need to do with you in the upcoming years. And they don't need to do anything with him but let his ass go. He's overpaid, and he can't play quarterback in the NFL level. I agree. I think that at this point you have to give Jameis a run. because, But this is I think this could also be a fear for them too. If they put Jameis in and he does too well, then you risk you run the risk of saying okay, well now James is getting uh, he's getting looked at by all these other teams, and they're gonna want to pay him this money. So then they'll have to be in a position where they may have to match that money, right? Let me let me get let you know on the secret though. The way Tom Brady looks right now, James Winston might be on a as a quarterback. He might be quarterbacking another team regardless. He's going to get that money regardless, in my opinion. Because the way Tom Brady looks, it shows you that not only was it not all Jameis Winston's fault. He he, stro- he throws them balls, but it, it takes a special quarterback to play in that offense. Yeah, no, I agree. Regardless of the weapons you have. No, I, I agree with you 100%. But we, all, but we talked about that at the beginning of the year with Tom Brady. And, I mean, they are who we thought they are. Mm-hmm. And it, we, we can go over to that game because I know you had mentioned Patrick Mahomes, which they lit it up in the first half. Second half, I think they kind of dialed back just because I think Andy Reid has a, a whole, like, I think that's one part of the genius to Andy Reid 
because he saves a lot for other games. He doesn't want to expose too much, right? Yep. And they, they kind of knew that they had the game by, like, the end of the third quarter. And the running game is what they haven't exposed. Yeah. And they got <laughs> they got options. They got options. So it'll be interesting to see the next coming weeks. Um, but, man, they, they, they bought out. Um, don't get me wrong. Tom Brady and them fought back. They played very, very well. Their defense kept them in the games. Um, in the game, it kind of slowed down the Chiefs a little bit. But um, it, it's tough to to go blow for blow, pound for pound, um, with the Chiefs. It just it, it is. You either need to smack them in the mouth and, and run off on them and make them play from behind. If you don't do that, you, you're in serious trouble. Even if you do that, it's no guarantee. Look, no, it look ain't. the Texans. Yeah, yeah, it definitely ain't. It's definitely not. They were up 24 nothing and lost bad. But, I mean, it just goes to show us it's a different level of football right now with the Chiefs than pretty much every other team. You know, even uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. just want to jump on there for a minute. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, they're still undefeated. They just beat the Baltimore Ravens on Wednesday afternoon football. <laughs> Which was a good sight. Like, it it was early, but I was like, man, I could kind of get used to Because by that point, you got you had a game on Monday. Um, you, you missed Tuesday. You don't have no games on Tuesday. But then you got a game on Wednesday. You got college on Thursday. Pro on Thursdays, but we didn't have any pro this Thursday. And then you got college on Thursday, college on Friday, and college on Saturday. I, I was loving it. I'm like, man, this, this is I like that. I, I like the change of pace. Yeah, but Steelers still being undefeated. Yep. Do you think that they're they have an opportunity to run the table? Do you think that they will go undefeated? Uh, undefeated throughout the regular season, possibly. Um, they have a. They have the schedule that allows them to do that. Um, I don't think they're going undefeated and win the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if they're uh, talented enough offensively to do that. Uh, what I mean by that, I think the running game is going to hurt them. Um, I, I've said it the beginning of this year. I've said it years when after they got Le'Veon Bill out of there. I, Le'Veon Bill, Connor is not a Le'Veon Bill. He's not even a replacement for Le'Veon Bill. He's a he's a change of pace, a different guy for Le'Veon Bill, a backup for Le'Veon Bill, but he's not the replacement for Le'Veon Bill. And this team is starting to realize that they don't have a running game. Don't get me wrong, he didn't play he didn't play this past week. But I think Benny Snell looked good. Benny Snell looked okay, but he's slow. He he's lacking that explosive play that they used to get from their running back position. And I don't think that him or Connor is going to be able to provide any um, abilities to take away some something from the defense that they're giving you. Like you, Ben Connor Snell, you said think he looked okay and he looked pretty good. Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball, I think, fifty or sixty times, like fifty six or something close to that. That's you. You can't tell me a running back played very well or looked pretty good and a quarterback threw that many times. That's not happening. Like your running game, your running game has to be better than that. Um, so I don't think they're they're Super Bowl contenders or anything like that. They'll go deep in the playoffs just because their defense, their defense is one of the best defenses in the league. Like when you have Nika Fitzpatrick, I mean he's he's probably one of the best safeties in the league, if not the best safety. 
um, this season anyway. Um, he, he's he's playing at a high high level, and that defense gets turnovers, and and not only do they get turnovers, but they get points off of a turnover as well, um, scoring the ball when they when they make when they make the uh, opposing team turn the ball over. Yeah, see, I think that I'm actually, I'm I think that they can go undefeated. I don't think they should plan to, right? And I don't, I don't think that they should. I don't think they should even, honestly, play Ben out past week fourteen. No, you'll see Ben probably sit out probably in the next week or two. Yeah. So if I'm them, like, because going look, the goal isn't to go undefeated, right? It's to win a Super Bowl. They're, they're, yeah. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. I think what they will need to do is they'll need to try to play. Um, they'll, they'll play until they can probably at least get first round by officially sold up and I think being they'll sit being. Yeah, and I also think that uh one thing it's something that hurt him this week and that's Bud Dupree being hurt towards ACL out for the rest of the year. That's big for them because look, outside of T J Watt, that's their best pass rusher. Yeah, he was the second leader in sacks on the team with eight. And that's a lot. Yeah, so I think that, you know, that's one thing people also have to look at. You know, losing Bud Dupree is a big blow to them because when you get to the playoffs you need that dynamic pass rusher when you're talking about going against teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I think that, you know, while they've had a, a, an amazing season, I don't necessarily see them being the team that's going to go undefeated nor make it to the Super Bowl. But I think that Mike Tomlin should win Coach of the Year. By far. I mean, he should have... He- in all actuality, I think there was a couple teams that actually came out and played um, to a higher standard or a higher level than we, we thought they would um, come out and play. And um, I think uh, to a certain extent, he could have got it last year, right? Like that, <laughs> to take a team like that depleted at the 8-8, eight and eight, I mean, is it, impressive. So, um what, what, what were your thoughts on it? Was there any other team that stood out this week um, in a good way? No, I won't say any other team really stood out to me like in a good way. Outside of, like, I will say this. I think the Tennessee Titans are probably the second most complete team in the AFC. Behind? Behind Kansas City. Okay. Even ahead of Pittsburgh. Because... Uh, I agree. I agree. Go because, ahead. I mean... The one thing that you talked about, Pittsburgh lacking, is the one thing that they shine in, and that's the running game. Derrick Henry is an animal. Like, with Derrick Henry on the field, anything is possible. When you talk about you might be down, going down the field with a min- two minutes left, right? Two-minute drill. But you're comfortable giving the ball to the running back. The Tennessee Titans are built to do that. They don't necessarily have to air it out. They can air it out because they have guys like A.J. Brown out there who is, you know what I mean, I think developed to become a top-tier receiver in the NFL right now. But it all starts on the ground for them, and I think Mike Vrabel's done an amazing job coaching these guys, and I think people can't overlook that. Yeah. The one thing that I would like to say that um, that really stood out to me as well, I, I was going with that one as the next one, and um, – the other one would be the Green Bay Packers. All this talk about what Aaron Rodgers needs, he don't need nothing. This dude just need a football, a field with lines. He don't even need lines. 
Like, this dude just needs a football. And he's going to make it happen. Like, all this talk about how, hey, they're not getting the guys that they need to get him. And his best target comes back. And now he just, all right, cool. Devontae Adams, boom. Devontae Adams, there you go. Here you go, Devontae Adams. And then now everybody else. And what I liked was the confidence that he built in himself to to deliver to those other guys that are not Devontae Adams and the confidence that he's helped build them up that are not Devontae Adams. So now that when he sees them open, now they have the confidence and understanding and knowing where he's going to place the ball and go get the ball. And vice versa, now he can... Now he doesn't mind coming to a guy a couple times because now they're starting to just throw the ball over the field. Last week, he threw the ball all over the field and it was like he was just playing. He was playing pickup. Like, hey, 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 everybody get a ball. You, you get a catch. You get a catch. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 that was huge. Yeah, the, the one thing that kind of fears me with the Packers is the same thing that fears me with the Seattle Seahawks, and that's the fact that on defense. How much can I trust them? I know that I know that Aaron Rodgers can go out and deliver with that offense, but I don't know defensively if they have enough to be one of those top tier teams come playoff time. Because you know, as good as as I'll say, as great as offense is to watch, right? Defense matters that much more in the, in the playoffs. So you know, and I think that's one thing Seattle's actually. You know, and that's funny because Seattle just got Josh Gordon back. They just uh, reinstated him. Uh, but for the Packers, I do like them. I don't know if I necessarily like them to be a Super Bowl contender. Nah, no, I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender as well. Uh, but I, I definitely think that uh, they're going to they're, they're gonna give a, they're going to give us a good game in the in NFC uh, playoffs, whether it's the divisional or championship round. Yeah, all right, so I got a question to ask you uh, while we're on topic of NFL. Uh, just, you know, I was going through and I was looking at all these teams, right, who have, you know, who are on the cusp of being, like, they're not the division leaders, but they're, like, number two, right? Mm-hmm. And could possibly be on the cusp of making the playoffs. So I want, I'm going to go through and I'll ask you if they're contenders or pretenders. Let's get it. All right, and I'll start with the AFC. Cleveland Browns at eight and three, pretenders. I agree with you. I, th- I think they're pretenders too. I think the strength of schedule wasn't that impressive, and I also think that Baker Mayfield needs to be lucky for guys like Nick Chubb and also Kareem Hunt and that offensive line. Uh, because if he's forced to put the ball in the air more than twenty-five times a game, I don't trust the Cleveland Browns. Me either. Miami Dolphins at seven and four, pretenders. But they're also overachieving, so I, I no one expect them to be as good as they are. Um, but I, I I don't think that by any stretch that they're they're just overachieving. I don't think they're trying to contend just yet. If that I, makes sense, I, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. That's interesting. You said they're overachieving, which I mean, I that wasn't like the, the at the forefront of my mind, but I would agree with you hundred uh, percent. But I also, I think they're pretenders. Uh, but I, I don't think that they necessarily need to be contenders right now. Yep. Uh, Indianapolis Colts at 7-4. Pretenders. I actually, I think they're pretenders. 
I agree with you. Uh, and it's Philip Rivers for me. That's that's what it is. The defense is the defense is really good. It's Philip Rivers. It, I, I think it's offensively in general for me. It's the offense. Um, it's Philip Rivers. It's the inconsistency of wide receiver from their play and who they're going to have perform on a weekly basis. And I think it's the inconsistency in the running game as well. Yeah, I, I think that they need to uh, establish more of a run with um, Jonathan Taylor. Because I like I like JT. I like him in Wisconsin. I think he's the guy who can carry the load for you. But for them, they have to establish that run. And I know they, they paid Phillip Rivers $20 million for one year. But I'm not overly impressed by what Phil Rivers has done for that $20 million. Me either. Um, but the Las Vegas Raiders at 6-5. and five. Pretenders. They got blown out by the Atlanta Falcons. Blown out. It was bad. It was it was it was worse than bad because I mean you talking about you coming off of a game where you just were competing with the Kansas City Chiefs and you looked like you were a, a, a decent team, right? And then you just get routed by the Falcons. Not only did they get routed by the Falcons, but technically speaking, they got routed by the coup. Like coup was a dominating factor in that game. Like their kicker had he had he kicked five field goals that game and four extra points. Like yeah. <laughs> that's that's nineteen points right there. Yeah, I think Derek Carr threw like what three interceptions that game. Yep. But uh, all right, so now we can switch over to the NFC, and it, I got two teams out here from uh, I got two teams from the NFC West for obvious reasons. You you'll understand when I say them. The LA Rams at seven and four. Pretenders. There's a trend here. <laughs> I think that uh, honestly, I think that they're contenders. I think Sean McVay is, is a great coach. I think that they need to establish more of who their premier running back is. But I think that defensively, when you have a guy on your front line like Aaron Donald, who impacts the game in the way in which he does, which I think more people need to talk about Aaron Donald for MVP. Like, th- that's the conversation people need to be having this year. Yes and no, right? And um, the reason why I say that is because I agree with you. The defense is very dominant. Um, they have two probably of the best players at their position in football. And not probably. Two of the best players defensively at their position in football. Period. And that's Jalen Ramsey and um, Aaron, Donald. Aaron Donald. What I struggle with is can their quarterback play get them there? Their quarterback play got them there to the Super Bowl the year Jared Goff, um, the year they went to the Super Bowl, but they solely relied on a running game to get them there. And that running game kind of went hand-in-hand with his play because they used the play action. They're not running the ball effectively now. So with not running the ball effectively, he's playing so inconsistent and they're relying on the defense to win them games. And I that's why I put them as a pretender. Fair enough. Arizona Cardinals is six and five. Pretender. I was sold until they lost to the Patriots. And that's not a it's not a bad loss, but I think it's the way that they lost. Because the game was supposed to be sewn up with Drake Kirkpatrick got the interception for Arizona. However, the Patriots went out and they got a stop. They got the ball back, drove down, and scored. 
And I think one of the big things that people aren't talking about with the Cardinals, the fact that they're not the same team without Chandler Jones. They're just not. They're they're not. They're not. And I'm glad you brought this up because I had a couple conversations about this team. And it's they're not the same team without Chandler Jones defensively. Offensively, their offensive line just just not getting it done. And their running game is not helping them at all. And, you know, I had conversations and it's like, well, hey, you know, oh, they have DeAndre Hopkins. Why, why are you throwing the ball deep? To, and I think their philosophy is, it, it appears to be their philosophy is we're not going to use DeAndre Hopkins as, as, a, as a target every game, every down. We're not. We we don't want to target him. We're going to target him, but we don't want to have to target him as as almost as he was targeted in the past. Because they have other guys, and they want to kind of be not one dimensional and kind of allow um, allow defenses to kind of have to cover Larry Fitzgerald, cover Christian Kurt. Like they they want to they want to do more than just go to him directly. Um, down after down, or when they need a need a big play, um, so I think offensively that running game is hurting them because they can't establish a good balance. And now they're trying to they have to run. They earlier in the season they had to run Murray a lot, but now teams are playing them differently defensively, forcing Murray to stay in the pocket and blitzing him a lot more. Making him try to make plays with his legs, but they're getting to him because the offensive line and running game ain't helping. I think they just need to they need to get it together. But I don't think that that happens this year. All right. Uh, next up, Tampa Bay Buccaneers is seven and five. Pretender. Pretender. I mean, well, they are who we thought they were. Yep. I said that the the ceiling for them was nine and seven, and I'm still a believer in that. Um, Minnesota Vikings at five and six. Pretender. I thought about it a little bit, and it's because they could be special defensively. They still struggle, but offensively, they they can be very very special and put up a lot a lot of points. Um, Cousins had probably hasn't had a. I won't even say he had a down year. Thielen's been playing very, very well. Um, Justin Jefferson has been playing very, very well as well. Like, but I, defensively, they he he has to get that defensive unit together. Like, this is probably the worst this defense has been since he's been there, and it's showing. Yeah, I think you know, obviously going into the year, I think that's one of the things that I thought about was. The fact that they did lose so much defensively, I mean, you talking about, and you always talk, you talk about uh, very, very young in the secondary. Harrison Smith is the most veteran player they have, I believe, on defense. Period. So, I think that it's a, they're pretenders, but they're a good team. It's a young team who's. I mean, obviously, I think they have an identity with. Uh, I think I think Zimmer's been doing a hell of a job up there with the Vikings, but I just think right now. Oh, and also not to mention the fact that they also have one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, but I, I think defensively is what makes them uh, pretender. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, I agree. But uh, all right, anybody in the NFC East? Pretender. Yeah, big time. I don't think we need to even go any further than that. Yeah, I, I think that honestly, I will be okay without seeing a playoff game without any team from the NFC East this year. Yeah, me too. Regardless, I don't care if they win a division. Hell, it might take six games to win the division this year. Nobody wants to see that. might take five. (laughs) Man. (laughs) It's sad. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy because every team still has opportunity to win the NFC East. Yep. Even the Cowboys at 3-8, the Eagles at 3-7-1, the the Washington football team and the New York Giants are both at 4-7. And every team has the opportunity to win. The division, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say big time pretenders for anybody in coming out of the NFC East, especially the Eagles. And speaking of the Eagles, uh, Doug Peterson just took uh, ownership of the struggles this year on offense and with Carson Wentz, and says that he would like to turn over the uh, offensive play calling. And I think they're saying right now it's reported it might be Deuce Staley to call the plays for the Eagles. As, as, as it probably should. But, oh, speaking of, just before we get out of here, and we want to thank everybody again for listening to Tunnel Vision Podcast, episode 31. Uh, but, man, Adam Gaze, when he, when the, the, the fact that he lied about taking over play calling. Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> Has there ever? I don't. I can't remember the last time there's been a more incompetent head coach in the NFL that I've seen. It's bad, bro. It's bad. It's bad. He lied about after the reporter said that. Yeah, we saw the off the guy who normally got placed the offensive coordinator. He was he wasn't doing anything. No, that's bad. Man, this dude still has his job. I don't know how. Will he make it through the entire season? Yes, they're going to let him go. They're going to let him go at the end of the season. What if they don't let him go? Man, you... Then they shouldn't play in the National Football League. They Go go play in the XFL. Go. If you want him to stay, go. Adam Gaze has something on somebody in New York. Has to. He has something on on ownership. He has to. He has to, man. Because he wouldn't last at any other any other team. I don't think Adam Gaze would have lasted this long. Nope. Not even the Bengals. Speak. I, before we get out of here, too, I want. There's a couple other topics I wanted to talk about. You you good with that one? Um. Back to the Bears. Matt Nagy. How you feel? How you feel about their situation? What's what's going on there? I think that they were in a position where they should have just kept Nick Foles, but I think a lot of it came down to the fact that I think Matt Nagy's in a position now where he feels like his job is in jeopardy. For one, he turned over play calling. Okay, cool. But then you bitch, you bench Nick Foles, and you start Mitchell Trubisky again. You already know what you have in Mitchell Trubisky. You didn't want him as a starter, that's why you traded for Nick Foles. But now you got Foles in there, and it's a, been some rumors that Nick Foles hasn't necessarily cared for the play calling, and that's where a lot of the issues came into play at. So now, 
I think that the Bears, look, the Bears should be like a team that are driven off of play action, but they can't establish a run. Tariq Cohen's not there, which was big for them. They never went out and they didn't get a backup running back to take his place. So I, I think that everything is just kind of going south for the Bears, and I think Matt Nagy might be fired. Oh, you're on the train now. I'm not on the train because I don't think he should be, but I think he may be fired, but it, it'll be because of his own doing. We have a fire train. Do you know that? You, you know that trend? Like, we, 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 have a, we have a good way of sorting out the, the coaches, whether it's NFL or NBA, and saying, hey, this guy needs to be fired. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you can look at the coach and be like, all right, he gets it or he doesn't get it. And he, he didn't. He, like, I don't think right now Matt Nagy's getting it. He saw success in his first year coaching. And, okay, people started to buy in, which the, I still think the defense is, is a huge part of the team, and they can lead to success. But offensively, they look stale. And the reason why I say that is my next question is, if you're the Bengals, there's all these rumors here in, in Cincinnati. Do you fire Zach Taylor? Zach Taylor. Of course you do. Zach Taylor should have been fired. Even with Joe Burrow as a quarterback, they were, I won't say that they were underachieving, because they're, but they were, right? Because they're, they're a bad team, but it's no way, it's no way that they should, look, they just came off a season in which they won, they went 2-14, and 14, and you can say, okay, they dealt with injuries, they had a new coach, it was a, it was already a bad team, but Marvin, Marvin Lewis won six games with the same team. And then, on top of that, you go out and you draft a quarterback at number one overall, but you don't even have an answer for it. Like, because there's a possibility it's the NFL. Players get hurt. Okay, if he goes down, then what, right? It, but I got a question. And, and that's, that's what, this is exactly kind of the conversation I want to have. I am on board. With, I, I'm on board that he never should have been fired. I mean, hired from the beginning, right? But... Going out to get that backup quarterback, is that his fault? He, I think he has, I think he at least has some say like, hey, we need to go get a quarterback. Because if you think about it, when Marvin Lewis first came in, I don't think he necessarily had much pull, but I think that he went and was very vocal about, hey, we need somebody else, somebody at least to be a, a part of this, right? And they went, they had John Kittner. John Kittner started the year that Palmer's first year. And they kept John Kittner, right? Because John Kittner wasn't going to start over Carson Palmer. Everybody knew that. But they said, you know what? He's a serviceable guy. If something happens to Palmer, he can win his games. And that was the mindset. But I think Zach Taylor, they said, oh, well, he went and got, they went and got Brandon Allen off the practice squad. And he has a relationship with Brandon Allen because he coached or uh, he was on the roster while he was in with the Rams. So you don't if you don't think he had anything to do with Brandon Allen being with the Bengals, if he could get Brandon Allen here, he could have got somebody else here. Think about this. Jameis Winston is a backup with the Saints, right? They got him for one million dollars on a one year contract. You don't think the Bengals could have got Jameis Winston for a million dollars on a one year contract? No. No. You don't? No. Bro, nobody was nobody no. was signing Jameis Winston. Here's the reason why. 
it's it one two reasons. One, it's it's the winning factor, right? The winning factor is they're going to win ball games. They're not going to be that bad. And if worst case scenario, if I come in, I'm taking over a good team. Three things I think. Second is if I do come over, if I do come in and take over, and I look pretty well, Drew Brees is riding off in the sunset soon. I will be able to take over a team that is good. The third is you have the Teddy Bridgewater effect. If I come in and do well, the Saints do not want me because Brees might come back or fuck, they feel that they can play Taysom Hill at quarterback. I will be able to ride off into the sunset to another team and get paid like Teddy Bridgewater was because I learned from Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Yeah. And, and I, I understand that, like the winning factor of it. But also you have to think about this. What if nobody signs James Winston, right? What if nobody signs him? Because that was, at, at one point in time, that was given like, hey, there's a possibility him and Cam Newton both may not get signed. Yes. And I think a lot of that had to do with the amount of money that he was willing to take from the Saints. Obviously the winning factor. And he, he already knew that Taysom Hill was a, a big piece for them or at least going into the offseason, right? But if the Bengals reach out and say, okay, we'll give you $4 million for one year, they say, we're going to draft this quarterback, Joe Burrow, at number one. We want him to be our guy, but we think that you could, you know, if something happens to him, that not only could you come in, but also if he's healthy, you can help teach him some things as well. Now, Jameis, I don't think he'll sign, he would sign a long-term deal. With any team where he wasn't in a position to be the starting quarterback because he still is a younger player and he still has that drive and that need to want to go out and win football games, right? But I'm, and I'm not even saying that they had to go get Jameis, but the Bengals could have went out and got somebody At the, that, that's able to win them games because, hell, they went into this season, who was, Ryan Finley was the backup quarterback. They knew he wasn't shit last year. And I get that. And that's no disrespect to him, but as an NFL quarterback, he's not good. I get that. But if I'm Jameis Winston, I'm not coming here. I'm taking choosing the Saints. The, the, the Bengals could have gave me $3 million. The Saints could have offered me a million, and I'm taking that million and I'm going to the Saints. Yeah, because you're thinking about the opportunity after just because you saw what happened in Teddy Bridgewater. Right. That I get that. But at the same time, I don't think the market – for quarterbacks, it's the same as it was last year. It will be. There's going to be team. Trust me. There's there's going to be teams. It'll probably be four teams, maybe, maybe looking for a quarterback after this year. Name them. Washington is one. Two, I would say, will be the Jets. But they'll I'm, probably draft Trevor Lawrence. I'm following you, but they still have a need. Yeah, they'll, they'll still have a need. Three. I want to say Atlanta because, but I don't know what I don't know what the situation is with Matt Ryan. I think they probably want to move on from Matt Ryan because he's getting a little long in the tooth. I'm in favor for them, so that's three. Go ahead. And four, honestly, I want to say that San Fran maybe, but I, I wouldn't even be sure on that because I think that they still believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're on the cusp, but you forgot Cleveland. Uh I don't know about Cleveland yet. I don't know about Cleveland yet. I think Cleveland is closer than San Fran is. No, I, I think if, if especially if the Browns make the playoffs, they won't give up. They they won't give up on Baker. I, I 
I think, my opinion, the reason why they're going to lose in the playoffs probably and more likely will be because of Baker. It won't be because of the defense. It won't be because of the running game. It will be because of Baker. And if they're a team that's trying to get better and try to get over the hump even more, they're going to look for a quarterback that is better than him. Not saying they're going to go out and go get, um, try to get a rookie to replace him, but they're going to try to bring somebody else in that is a veteran guy that can get them over the hump because he he can't get them over the hump. I think the Indianapolis Colts is another team that will be looking for a quarterback. Uh, possibly. I, I don't know. I don't know how they feel about Jacoby Brissett yet. Obviously, I think. Obviously, they we they we know how. Oh no, we know how they feel about Jacoby Brissett. When you're bringing in Phillip Rivers, who arguably led the league in turnovers, probably the past couple years that he's been playing. Yeah, but I think that's more so to do with the idea of Phillip Rivers more than it was just Phillip Rivers, and that's just that's me being that's me being honest with you. And I think a lot of, you know what I mean, other things play the factor as well. I think the Indianapolis, I mean, not the Indianapolis Colts, sorry. I think the New England Patriots is another team will be looking for another quarterback. Yeah, but I don't necessarily know if they want to go with Jameis. I'll be No, 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 I'm not saying that he will, but I'm just saying the opportunities are there. We Going into that, you were saying their opportunities are not there. Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. But again, they they will be looking for. But I think they'll draft a guy like Justin Fields. Hundred percent, I agree. I just I just want to put that out there that there are teams that need it. But if I'm if I'm Jameis Winston, I do ten out of ten. I do that again. hundred percent, I do it again. Ten out of ten, I go to the Saints. I don't go to the Bengals, giving me three million, two million more. I I just don't do it. Um, yes, I I knock I knock them for not. Getting another quarterback in to be a backup quarterback for uh, Joe Burrow, but I want a lot of people to understand that this team isn't talented. This team, to a certain extent, the Bengals have to a certain extent they've been in a lot of games. They're not that talented. They have some talent offensively on the receiver position. Your skill position, your receiver position, fine. They 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 brought you the talent. You have talent at the quarterback position. Your talent wasn't there running game-wise this season. Joe Mixon been banged up and out of the lineup a lot this season. Your offensive line is horrendous. Did they not just pay Giovanni Bernard last year $10 million on a two-year contract? They did. Okay. And, don't and, and, Gio, and Gio's been doing okay yeah. in, in serving his role, so I'm not taking nothing away from Gio. What I'm saying is this. They they still don't have talent. And defensively, they lack talent everywhere, Right? This team, even though they were in games, let's credit Joe Burrow for playing a fucking amazing season that he's played versus saying that if we had another coach in here, we would win more games. What? You would win two to three games? Okay, whoop-de-doo. Two to three more games. So you're telling me this team would only win five games if Marvin Lewis was the head coach? Maybe six. The talent's not there. Bro, I'm, I, I think that it's closer to being a seven-win team with a, a better head coach, and I'm just being honest with you. I I don't think now now granted would Marvin Lewis be able to probably entice some of these free ag- other free agents to come and help? Yes, I think Marvin Lewis could do that. But what I want to say is is we still have they went out and spent money, and what and everybody was so praising them for spending the money. That money that they spent didn't pan off. 
It didn't pan out at all. It's not on the field. No. Trey Wayne's hurt. DJ Reader played five games, got hurt towards ACL out for the year. Yep. Like the money that they spent is they they spent the money in the wrong places. I won't say I won't say the wrong places. It just so happens. I, I like DJ Reader. Right. Trey Wayne's got overpaid. Yeah, Trey Wayne's did, but I I, I just want to make it clear. It was they spent it in the right places. It may not have been the right guys, but they spent it in the right places, and it just it hasn't panned out yet. So talent wise, they're not as talented. So people need to pump the brakes a little bit. They they made some moves offensively on the offensive line, thinking that that would help them, and it didn't help them. Now they have to go back and and, and start from square one again. Okay, so it's it's a team that we can agree on. It's not very talented. It's not a playoff no, team. No, I, I'll give you that. But I think that one, the team is mismanaged. So yeah, it is. Regardless, regardless of the talent, the the team is mismanaged on the field. And I think a lot of like Zach Taylor has to take a lot of blame for that too. You you knew that you had a brand new quarterback coming in and really no backup quarterback to service him, and you still out there throwing the ball damn near thirty times a game. And every time a quarterback takes a drop back, it's an opportunity for them to get hit and to get hurt. So you can't tell me that Zach Taylor deserves a longer leash when he's he's doing the same thing that he basically did with Andy Dalton. He's going out and he's trying to run him into the ground. I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I want to get this. I, I, I want to make sure that we don't get this twisted. I'm not saying that he needs a longer leash. I just want people to to be realistic. And to understand that regardless of at the coaching position, this talent-wise, talent, talent, talent wise, this is a bad team. Offensively, yes, you see spots in Joe Burrow. Yes, you see spots with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and that those two guys can work together. But God damn it, it should have been those two guys plus A.J. Green. And A.J. Green has been missing all year. He has one touchdown, I think, all season. He does. That is bad. But he had a few games where he looked really good. The Colts game, he looked good. But again, they lost that game because it was mismanaged. Yes. They, oh, they, yeah, yeah. they were up 21 nothing. I don't want to take anything away from Zach Taylor and the bad job that he's done. I've I've always said it. I, and I said that if he's going to be the head coach, he needs to be relieved of offensive play calling duties. At least, at minimum, to allow him to focus on being a head coach. The thing that I, I want people to understand is just the talent-wise isn't there to to be a team that's a winning team. Just because the Browns are winning and they're 8-3, don't sit here and think that, oh, damn, the Bengals could have been 8-3. No, the Bengals could not have been 8-3. No, the Browns are a much better team. Okay, and that, that's what I want people and to, uh, to realize. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much, right? I can probably be a better head coach than him. Okay. So. Yeah, but yeah, no. It's, and and also, I think that you know, a lot of people got caught up in the glitz and the glamour, which I think this is one thing that people can look at, right? Joe Burrow is, which by the way, he just had a successful surgery. He was reported by the Bengals, um, so they they said that they can expect a full recovery. But I think that Zach Taylor is. Look, you said he needs to be relieved of the offensive play calling duties. Nobody asked him to call plays. He wanted to call plays. He got named the head coach and said, hey, I'm calling the plays too. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying they should relieve him because they I, they, they can say, hey, if you want to be here and coach, you, you got to give up the 
play Call of Duties they, or you they don't. They should relieve him of, of head coaching duties. <laughs> yeah, facts. <laughs> I agree. But uh, but yeah, no, I agree. With you. I, I don't think it's a very talented team, and I don't. I, I but I still think they're. Under, I think it, they should at least have four wins by now. I just think that every time the Bengals don't have success, or they have some little of success, or they have some spotlight where you can see something bright, that it just gets so magnifying to where they they just they expect it so much more. And it's like, I mean, prime example, you and I agree with this. The Their best two records were Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. When they had those top records winning over 12 games, those were the best talented teams they've had. And years after that, when they had that talent, that talent has left. The following year, and they did nothing to bring in more talent, but it still fans still expected those type of results. And it, you can't do that if you don't have the talent on the field. Yeah, but uh, and, and that part comes from ownership, right? Yep. So, and and that wasn't more so on Marvin because I think if it was up to Marvin, he would have paid for a lot of those guys to come back. And then obviously, uh, two thousand and what was two thousand and six uh, or two thousand and five when they lost uh, and Palmer towards ACL. Obviously, you know Chris Henry passed away, and the team just kind of took a step back, right? Like. Ocho Cinco probably peaked around 2007, 2008. Uh, and after that, uh, you know, people kind of got fed up with his antics because he, he started doing more things off the field versus performing on the field, right? But but who, but who? seeing that, then again, this is why I, the, this fan base is going to always be okay. This, this is why this team is always going to be mediocre. They did not like what Chad did off the field because they felt all he should do is do what he supposed he's paid to do and play you. football. Yeah, right. Then they say, "Hey, hey, we they basically forced Marvin to get more out of here." Right? Yeah, you get what you ask for. You do. The grass isn't always greener. It's not. Look how long it took them to get a receiver in AJ Green after Chad. But you know what? This is, I think this is the important part, right? And the one thing that people kind of overlook is the organization will always be what it is because if you look at the past history, right? The longest tenure coach since uh, nineteen was it nineteen ninety was Marvin Lewis. They they had no stability. They couldn't find a good coach. So if you're telling me one out of eight coaches or one out of ten coaches, right, from nineteen ninety to two thousand and what what are we in now? It was two thousand and seventeen. Mm-hmm. If you telling me you only had success with one coach out of the, all the other coaches, that's the issue is is not the coach necessarily. It's ownership because they didn't take the time out to like. I think that they honestly, Marvin, they got lucky finding Marvin Lewis. Like the yeah. fact that he he left the Baltimore Ravens to come be the coach here. Yeah. Because if they hired anybody, because think about it, before that they had Dick LeBeau for what two years, a year and a half. So, I, I think fans overlooked that. Yeah, I'm sorry to take it off from the ten. I just wanted to really come back and bring something that's closer to home. Um, that a lot of you know, we're not Cincinnati Bengals fans, but I think we we speak from a realist perspective, and um, 
for people that are closer to the Bengals organization than and closer to us, um, I think it was good to have that conversation because I think sometimes people miss they they misunderstand talent a talented team um, versus a team that's overachieving to a certain degree. Yeah, and I mean, granted, they they got to go win against the Tennessee Titans, which I mean is. Could have been a trap game for the Titans. Yep. You know, it happens. They, I mean, that was a good win for them, though. But, I mean, some of the games that they've been closer in it, like, team like the Giants game, right? The Giants are a bad team. If Joe Burrow's playing, maybe it's a different outcome. Yep. But still, it's, 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 a, it's a bad team. Yeah. So, like, you you barely lost to the Giants, but it's the Giants. You know what I mean? Yeah. Facts. I, I agree. But I will say this, though. I will not be surprised if the Dallas Cowboys come in here with Andy Dalton and put up 40 points on the Bengals. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that yet. They're going to get manhandled again this week. I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you right now, and uh, as someone in life once told me, karma's uh, B-I-T-C-H. Yes, facts. And Andy Dalton going to bring that energy when, they, when the Cowboys play the Bengals. Yep. But uh, you got anything else you want to say in this episode before we get out of here? Uh, no, you want to hit rapid picks real quick? Yeah, maybe? we can hit rapid picks. Uh, you can go down the list. And then we'll Obviously, be out no here. Thursday night football. So Yeah. So yeah. that kind of helped us. It did, it did, it did. Um, All right, let's go so we can get up out of here. Uh, Saints-Falcons. Give me, this. Give me the Falcons. Give me Saints. Uh, Lions-Bears. Give me the Bears. I'll take Bears. Um, Browns-Titans. Give me the Titans. I'll take Titans as well. Um, Bengals Dolphins. Give me the Dolphins. I'll take the Dolphins as well. Jags Vikings. Give me the Vikings. I'll take the Vikings as well. Raiders Jets. Give me the Raiders. Raiders as well. Colts tight or uh, Texans. Give me the Texans. I am taking the Colts. Uh, Will Fuller, their best player, is out for steroids. Um, Rams Cardinals. Give me. Give me the Rams. I'll take the Rams as well. Um, I just I don't like how Kyler Kyler Murray's been playing lately. Um, Giants Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks. Take Seahawks as well. Eagles Packers. <laughs> Anybody but the Eagles. I'll take the Packers as well. Um, Patriots Chargers. Give me the Chargers. I'll take the Patriots. Um, Broncos Chiefs. Oh, give me the Chiefs. Chiefs Washington and Steelers. Give me the Steelers. I'm take Steelers as well, and then that. So we got two Monday nights this week, folks. Five o'clock and eight fifteen. Eight fifteen. Bills. Niners. Oh, give me the Bills. I take the Bills as well, and then Tuesday we have uh, Cowboys Ravens, and I'll take the Ravens. Oh, give me the Ravens. Lamar yeah. Jackson will be back. Oh, I hope so. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is, uh, that's the hope. But right now, I think they're saying that he only had what 10, 10 days to quarantine, right? Yep. So yeah, give me, give me the Ravens. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, I will say this though, uh, Denver will have a quarterback this week, right? Yes. Okay, they still gonna lose, but I just wanted to make sure they had a quarterback. Yeah, they will. They they, they actually went out and and signed another quarterback as well. Okay, this they, week they should have yeah. called me. <laughs> nah, they should have called me. Nah, no. I just I only got one requirement though. Right, I, gotta, right. I, I gotta wear number five. Wrap, wrap this up. <laughs> They're not calling you. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening again to Tunnel Vision Podcast. Uh, again, episode 31. I'm Mario DeRamus. I'm Eric. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Tunnel 
underscore biz underscore pod. And I will be giving away a book next week. Next week. After the podcast. But you got to listen to the podcast and make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Tunnel underscore biz underscore pod on both. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm giving away the Deshaun Watson book. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there we go. There you go. All right, we out.